Wow. Well, thank you to um, the KFC kids. Um, let's give them another round of applause. And also, let's give a round of applause to all of the teachers and all of the helpers and all the people who are involved with countless nights um, who are trying to prepare all this and prepare all the work for this. As Rach mentioned before, um, it's, it's not an easy job to do, um, but it is absolutely worth it. I mean, what you guys saw today um, is a lot of effort, but it's amazing to be able to see the gospel being proclaimed um, by even children, and it's just a testament to how wonderful the good news is to the world. I mean, nativity plays have come a long way. Um, I'll share with you a little story. Um, 25 years ago is probably around that time when I was also one of those little kids at this church doing a nativity play. Um, but it was a lot different back then. Um, I remember that we had, well, myself and probably um, Jason and some of the others, we, we were dressing up as boxes and pretending to be presents and trees and not as exciting as, um, as the play that we had today. Um, but it's so good. So good to be able to hear something about this world today and also to hear a little bit about what is going on with Jesus. I mean, these last few weeks, we've been going through Advent and we've been thinking about what are some of the promises that this thing called the gospel brings. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been hearing about how the gospel brings joy and Hope. Last week, so we had the first week was the gospel, the promise of the gospel brings joy. And then last week we learned about how the promise of the gospel is hope. This week we are going to look at how one of the promises of the gospel is peace. Now, in the play that we just had, we had this, uh, we had two little uh, boy and a girl there, Jared and Jasmine. And they said a couple of things at the very beginning of the play, and I'm not sure if you really picked up, but they said something about feeling no peace, no hope, and no love. Did anyone sort of hear that as they started that play? Jared and Jasmine, these two um, little, little children, they weren't having a really good time. Christmas was coming, but their situations wasn't bringing them any sort of peace, hope, or love. The fact that their parents were not with them, that they were in an orphanage. The fact that their mother had just passed away half a year ago. The fact that their father had left them six years ago. Imagine being a child without having parents to look after you. No wonder Jared, sitting at the very end, he was saying things like, well, what's the point of Christmas? I'm sick of hearing all these messages of peace. There's no peace in this world. Now, I think sometimes we feel the same way as well. We might not be in the same position as Jared and Jasmine, but we might sit here and we might look into the world right now and we say, there is no peace in this world right now. For Jared and Jasmine, the thing that they lacked, they had lost something that, had, that was so dear to them. Something was missing. And quite often, when we come to a time like Christmas, where everyone is celebrating, there's tinsel, there's, you know, everyone's shouting joy, and everyone's saying, you know, 
Christmas is all about peace and joy. And you sit there and you go, no, it's not, because I don't feel any peace at all. There's something missing in my life. I'm not having what everyone thinks I should have. When we feel like we've lost something that's so dear to us, we feel a lack of peace. We're peaceless. But it wasn't just Jared and Jasmine in the story. As we think about all the different characters in our story today, we see that there are lots of different places where there was a lack of peace. You know, the next thing that we saw in this play was that we saw Mary and Joseph, and they were coming along, and they have reached Bethlehem, and what were they doing? What did they do when they came to Bethlehem? You guys paying attention to the kids? What were they doing when they came in? They were looking for a place to stay, right? They were looking for a place to stay. And this is really strange. Why were they traveling? Remember, Mary was very heavily pregnant. She's not, you know, anyone who has been pregnant or has been around pregnant um, people, it's, it's not a good time to go traveling. Um, but in Luke chapter 2, it actually tells us a little bit more about what was actually going on. Let me read to you some of those verses. Um, from Luke chapter 2, verses 1, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And then in verse 3, it says, And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, and then he went to the town of Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and to the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So this is that context. Because of the census that was happening, Mary and Joseph had to travel. They, I'm sure they were not planning for this. I'm sure they didn't want to, but it was part of the rules that they had to. I did a bit of looking up, a bit, bit of research, and this trip that they took, it was about 100 kilometers. For those of you who like traveling, um, for those of you maybe over Christmas, you're thinking about going away, to drive down to Victor Harbor from here is about 75 kilometers. So Mary and Joseph would have had to go from here beyond Victor Harbor without a car and with Mary pregnant. This is not something that anyone would actually want to do, and you can imagine that as they roll into Bethlehem, they are starting to get stressed. There's probably not a lot of peace in that couple. In Mary and Joseph, they're coming into this town and tons of people have come in and they're looking for a place to stay. Mary perhaps is starting to have contractions and she's feeling like, well, something is going to happen. We need a place to stay. You know, when we find that our plans don't go how we like, we start to get stressed, don't we? We start to panic. I know this morning, if anyone arrived at church maybe before 10 a.m., you probably would have seen quite a lot of panic and confusion and a lot of stress going on because things don't always necessarily go to plan. We had a practice for our band on Friday and then we get here on Sunday morning and things have changed. Even for myself, I was feeling it. I was preparing microphones and this one wouldn't work and that one wouldn't work. You know, we all get stressed and panicked. And at that time, we feel peaceless. We feel out of control. But it's not just Mary and Joseph as well. As we continue on in that nativity story, we heard a little bit later about King Herod. And one of the things that happened with King Herod was that he was king. 
He was very happily sitting on his throne. He was very happy in his situation. He knew what was going on. He was king of all people, and he was very happy about that. But then he hears about this baby being born. And even more so, he hears that this baby that was born might be a king. Now, I don't know if you guys, um, some of you maybe have played basketball or played in a sporting team, and maybe played in a team where you've been in a position that you've gotten into. This is your spot. Maybe even in the Christmas play for some of our kids today, you guys had your specific part to play. And if someone comes along and they tell you, oh, actually, you're about to be replaced, well, you don't feel very good about that, right? You know, if you're at work and you're working your job, you're doing your role really well, and then suddenly you hear rumors that, oh, actually, you know what? Your position, we're probably going to cut that. You might get redundant soon. You're not going to be very happy about that. If you're playing on a basketball team and you've earned this position, you've trained so hard, and then suddenly you see this young kid coming up who's so much better than you at basketball, and you, you're feeling like, oh man, I might lose my spot on the team, you start to feel peaceless. You feel out of control. You feel like the things that you wanted and the things that you held so dear are getting pulled away. But it's not just that. Sometimes we feel peaceless when other things make us angry as well. You know, King Herod was quite angry because this baby, he shouldn't be king. This baby is just being born. No one should take my position. And so he felt angry at that as well. And I'm sure all of you will feel the same way. When you get angry at someone, when someone lies to you, when someone maybe pushes in front of you in the line, when someone knocks into you and doesn't say sorry, you feel really angry. And at that time, surely you don't feel much peace in your heart. And then finally, we also saw the shepherds today in the nativity. Let me read to you a couple of verses about what happened to the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. And we had some shepherds here today, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. We actually heard this last week from Tamara. But what were the next words? As these shepherds saw this angel come, these angels come to them, they were terrified. Absolutely terrified. Tamara said this last week. Over the last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of thunderstorms. And when the thunderstorms hit, when you're lying in bed and it's so loud, so loud to the point where your house is shaking, you feel terrified. At that moment, there's probably not a lot of peace in your heart. Why were these guys terrified? Not only is it just that there's this angel that's come down and it's just something that they've never seen before, I have a feeling that maybe they were also terrified that maybe this is it for them. You know, sometimes you say that, oh, when you see that white light, then this might be the end of your life. You know, the end, the end is coming near. You know, the, the end is coming. Maybe that's what they felt. Tonight is the night we're going to die. Maybe that's what the shepherds were feeling like. You know, when we are afraid, we often don't feel much peace in our hearts. And sometimes it could be little things that we are afraid of. Maybe it's just the fact that you have to come up on stage and you have to do a play and you have to talk. That makes you scared, that makes you nervous, right? That makes you nervous and you don't feel peace. 
Maybe you're about to walk into a job interview. You probably feel a bit nervous there and you feel that panic and not a lot of peace. Maybe you're about to go for an auction to buy a house and you're standing there and you're like, I'm about to raise my hand and if I win, that's $800,000 gone. You know, you feel nervous and you feel a lack of peace. But you know what? No matter what kind of life stage you're at, I think there is one thing that we all are afraid of. And that is death. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how mature you are. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Everyone is at least a little bit scared of death. A little bit scared of dying. If I told you that as you walk out that door today, after lunch, that's going to be it. You're going to die. I don't know how, but you are. Everyone feels a little bit like, oh. You get that sense of, oh, what am I going to do? There's a little bit of nervousness. How am I going to die? Is it going to be painful? And then if you think about that a little bit more, well, what am I going to leave behind? What are the things that I want to get done? What if there are things, that there are people that I need to talk to? There are people that I need to say I love them. What if you don't have that opportunity? Everyone feels afraid of death. Even as a Christian, sometimes we might say, well, we're not, we're not afraid of death because we have something else. But still, death is the greatest enemy of humanity. But you know what? Today we are talking about the promises of the gospel. I've talked a lot about how we don't feel peace. But really, what we want to talk about is where can we find peace? Let me read on the next couple of verses as to what happened with the angels. All right? So the angels had come to the shepherds, and we just left off by saying that the shepherds were terrified. But what does the next verse say? Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angels said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. They praised God and they said these words. They said, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Just in a couple of verses, what these angels are saying is, don't be afraid because this baby Jesus who has been born is going to bring peace to this earth. You know, last week, Tamara also shared with us a verse from Isaiah that said that Jesus, as he comes, he will also have another name. He will be called the Prince of Peace. Advent, as we go through these four weeks, is about us coming and waiting for something, anticipating something that's going to come. For Christians, this is Jesus. And why do we anticipate that? It's because we live in a world that is peaceless. And when the gospel, when the promise of the gospel says that there is going to be peace, that is what we look forward to. That is what we hold on to. You know, when Jesus came to this earth for the first time, 
He did some amazing things. This morning, our story only told the very beginning of the story of Jesus. It only told of how Jesus was born. But even then, the shepherds were told that they would find peace. As Jesus grew up, he did so many different things in his life. He did miracles. He taught. But ultimately, he did one really, really important thing. Ultimately, when Jesus came to this earth, when he was born, when he grew up, he ultimately died, and he died on a cross. We don't often talk about how Jesus dies at Christmas, because often we say, oh, we'll, we'll wait a few months and we'll talk about that at Easter. But actually, it is just so important. We can't talk about Christmas unless we talk about what Jesus actually did. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he had to face death. Just like what I said before, all of us, we feel peaceless when we think about death. Jesus also would have had to do that. He went to the cross to die, die probably a more horrific death than any of us will ever experience. And yet when Jesus died on the cross, something incredible happened. When Jesus died on the cross, there was something that he did with God. With Christians, for Christians, we say that Jesus died for the sin of the world. Jesus died for all of the wrong things that we had done. You know, recently, um, I was just chatting with a friend, and they were asking me, oh, what do you know about Jesus, and how did you come to know Jesus? And one of the earliest things that I remember, when I was maybe four or five years old, I remember my mom talking to me, and she explained to me, and she said, you know, Cliff, um, as your mom, uh, you often do wrong things around the house. You often, um, you know, you, you slam the door, or you talk back, or you don't finish your dinner, and when you do the wrong thing, you need to be punished. That's something that many of us would understand growing up as a kid. I'm sure a lot of you um, here KFC kids, um, when you do the wrong thing, you probably get punished by your parents, right? And it's not a great feeling. But I remember mom telling me this, that when you do wrong things, it's not just mom and dad that might punish you, but when you do wrong things, you also are held accountable to God as well. Because when you do wrong things, not just wrong things according to mom and dad, when you do wrong things according to God, you also need to be punished as well. But for us, when we do wrong things for God, the punishment isn't just getting told off. It's not just getting a time out. It's not just, oh, you can't have dessert tonight. It's a much more serious thing. When we do wrong things before God, the punishment that we must receive is death. And it's not just death, it's separation from God. It's to be separated from the one who loves us, the one who created us, the one who can give peace. That is what happens when we do the wrong thing. And so when Jesus died on the cross, this amazing thing happened is that Jesus actually took that punishment. Instead of us needing to die, Jesus died and took that punishment. You know, I have a younger brother, and I would never, ever do this. If Jeffrey got in trouble, I would never, ever come and say, I won't have dessert. That's the Jeffrey's punishment. Jeffrey can have dessert tonight, you know? I would never do something like that. It's crazy. But that's what Jesus did for us. You know, for all of us here, when we do wrong things before God, we deserve death. 
And yet Jesus, when he came, when he was born, he lived, and then when he died on the cross, he did it so that we wouldn't have to. This is the peace that we receive as the promise of the gospel. When we think about the fact that we are facing death, Jesus dying on the cross means that we don't have to face that death. Of course, for all of us here, it's not that we don't die physically. Ultimately, after maybe 10 years, 20 years, hopefully 50, hopefully 80 years, um, we will die on this earth. So even though Jesus had died and taken away our eternal separation from God, we still have hope even for today. You know, Jared and Jasmine, there was one thing that they mentioned towards the end. Uh, I think it was maybe Jasmine who said this. She said, well, what's the point of all this? You know, all this stuff happened 2,000 years ago. Does it have any relevance to us today? And of course, the answer is yes. Because not only did Jesus come the first time and then defeated death, Jesus will come back a second time. Does anyone remember at the very, very end of the play, what did Josh describe? He described a place. One of the kids know. What did Josh describe at the very end of the play? This place, this beautiful place, this really exciting place, yeah? Heaven, right? He described heaven, this wonderful place that we don't know anything about because we're still living on earth. And yet what happens is that when Jesus comes back again, those who have trusted in him will be able to have entry into heaven. This is the peace that we look forward to because in heaven there will be peace even though we live on this earth right now where there will be times where we're afraid, where people will make us angry, when we don't have what we need, when something is missing, when we feel peaceless. The promise of the gospel is that we can look forward to a time where there will be peace, where we won't need to ever be afraid again, where we won't need to be angry. There'll be nothing to be angry about. When all of those things that are missing in our life will be found and will be complete. That is what we look forward to. And so, as we think about Advent, as we think about Christmas, all of you might be sitting here and you might think, well, you know what? I do feel a little bit peaceless right now. But if you've never come to Jesus, if you've never come to him and said, you know what? I want this peace that you provide. I really invite you to take this opportunity. It may not mean that everything in your life will go smoothly, but there will be this peace. There will be this peace that comes into your heart. A peace that knows that after death, you have something better coming, that you will be protected, that you will be with God, and ultimately, that you will have peace when he comes back. So I wanna invite you guys, if you have thought about this, and if you have already received this peace, then what next? You know, today, during this play, all of the kids, they did a very important thing. They shared the gospel. As you sat here and listened to what they said, they told you about the peace that Jesus brings. They told you about the promise of the gospel. And so for those who have already received this, those who walk through life right now, those of you who already have that peace in your heart, this is the time. Christmas is the time to tell people of this peace. Christmas is the time where you listen to people, where you come to them, 
where you hear maybe they're not feeling peace, maybe they're trying to find peace in all sorts of different things in this world, but you have this message to tell them of the peace that comes with Jesus. So hopefully this is a bit of an encouragement uh, for you guys, for someone who maybe has never heard about peace, or maybe those who have been reminded of that. Why don't you join me in prayer as we praise God for for the peace that he has brought. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for the fact that your son Jesus came to this earth. He didn't just come as a baby so that we could give him presents. He didn't just come so that we can then have this time where we can celebrate and have a public holiday. But he came so that he would bring peace to this earth. As we live through our days, there will be lots of times where we come and we realize that we don't have peace in our lives. We realize that there are things that make us angry, things that make us afraid, things that make us panic, and things that make us nervous. And yet the promise of the gospel is that there will be peace. And so, Lord, for those who don't have peace right now, may you come into their lives. May you give them the peace that only you can bring. And may during this season, the Prince of Peace come for all of us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.